So, take it away, FCCers. Ephesians 5, 21 through 33. So wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the words. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Ephesians 5. Let's pray, friends. Lord God, we submit ourselves to the authority of your holy word, asking that your spirit would open our eyes and soften our hearts. Show us Jesus, teach us the gospel, make us your people, so that we would be filled with you, our hearts would be renewed. And you would use us to communicate your goodness and glory. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So there was a Christian couple in their mid-30s who went to talk to their pastor because their marriage was falling apart, but they couldn't really figure out why. They were strong Christians. They'd come from strong Christian families. They met while attending Bible college together. They had three kids. He had a good job. They were very secure financially, materially, and they were very actively involved in church life. There was nothing in their backgrounds and really nothing obvious that adequately accounted for the terrible state of their marriage. Until the pastor in the conversation asked the young man to give an explanation of how and when their struggles typically emerge in everyday life. And then it became awkwardly crystal clear. The husband explained how troubled he was by it all and how he had tried so hard to be a good husband and, and how much he loved his wife and his children and how he had learned about the biblical model of family from his own family and from Bible college. And, and then he spoke about how committed he was to being a biblical leader in his own home. He said this, in order to make sure there is no question about who is head of our home, I try to make sure both my wife and I let Scripture rule our actions. Sounds good so far, right? Well, then he said this. For instance, if I come home from work and I'm trying to relax by watching TV or 
reading the paper, my wife may ask for some help with something in the kitchen or with the kids. So to make sure that we both know who is head in our home, get this. He said this. I flip a coin in my mind. If it comes up heads, I help. If it comes up tails, I don't. That way, there's no question of who's in charge. Dude says he flipped a coin in his head. Try to use that later, guys. See how that works. Man found dead after gambling with his wife's affections. So, apparently, in all of this dude's Bible reading and his Christian upbringing and Bible college, this husband missed the part about loving his wife sacrificially like Jesus. You see, friends, God made the husband the head of the home so that he would lead by sacrificing first, so that his love of his wife would be a demonstration, a humble demonstration to her of the love of Christ for the church and for her, so that his sacrificial love would model Jesus to his wife. You see, friends, when someone in authority uses their authority in a way that looks like Jesus and that sacrifices first and that uses that role and that authority for the sake of others around them, it changes those around them. Jump in with me at Ephesians 5, where we'll start in verse 21. Picking it up mid-sentence, it says this. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So in the book of Ephesians, the first three chapters, Paul has been enumerating one after the other all of these many spiritual blessings that God has given to his church, to those who have said yes to his offer of grace in Jesus. In fact, in Ephesians 1.3, it says that in Christ, God has given his people, the church, every spiritual blessing needed to have right relationship with God the Father. In other words, Paul's teaching them throughout Ephesians here the great importance of understanding not just in mind but in heart that God's given them what they didn't earn and what they don't deserve. So here in Ephesians 5, 21 to 33 here, Paul is extending this undeserved blessings from God concept to marriages. And he says to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is why he says at the end in verse 33, this is a mystery, but I am referring to Christ and the church. This may be hard to understand, Paul says, but I'm not just referring to the relationship between husbands and wives, but also ultimately to the relationships that undergird that, the relationship between Christ and the church. And if you're not married, this, uh, this applies to all your relationships. It's the model of Jesus who, who loves his people so much that God's given him. This is the model of Jesus who loves the people that God has given him so much. Look up a bunch of places in John 3 and 6 and 10 and 17 to look at this. It's an interesting study. John 3, 16, John 6, 37, John 10, 29, as well as John 17, verses 2, 6, 9 and 24. These are these places 
where, where Jesus talks about those whom God has given to him, his people, the church. And it's those people he loves so much that he gives himself, he empties himself, as Philippians 2 says, he sacrifices himself for them as the model. So it's this model of Jesus that has sacrificially given of himself to present those under his care because he has authority for them and over them and those are under his care, he sacrificially gave of himself to present them, the church, to the Father. Think about this. As holy and acceptable to him even though they couldn't earn it and they didn't deserve it. This is what we call grace. And it's this kind of gracious sacrifice that motivates all of our relationships. For the believers, for the church, the model of the sacrifice of Jesus is what motivates our relationships. It's what motivates all of our relationships. Which is why Paul finishes that last section and starts this new section with verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We submit to each other, not because we're worthy of it, but because of our love for Jesus. We submit to one another, not because we're worthy of that submission, but because we treasure the sacrifice of Jesus for us in a way that understands that his love for us is what motivates true love for others. I submit to you because Jesus sacrificed for me. This is key. This is so crucial, friends. You will mess up your marriage if you act toward your spouse based on their deserving it. Like, are we preaching yet, those of you who've been married more than six months to a year? I mean, if your marriage relationship, and really any relationship, if your marriage relationship depends on a sort of merit system of, of earning or deserving good behavior, you are doomed. If you don't learn early on in your marriage that you live sacrificially, selflessly, for the sake of the growth of your spouse, in a way that comes out of your love for Christ, you are straight up doomed and you are headed for a relationship that is centered around your self-centered project of manipulating your spouse into a Messiah he or she could never be, which is to say you must learn to submit because you love Christ, not because your spouse deserves it. This is fundamental, and it is so so important, friends. So that's why he starts with, in verse 21, saying we submit to one another out of our reverence for Christ, for who he is, what he's done, and what he's given to us. Now, even though the next word at the beginning of verse 22 is wives, he says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. We're going to speak mostly to husbands this week and address wives Next week. So Paul says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, meaning in a manner similar to your own submission to Christ. Why? Again, not because the husband deserves it or is good enough or has made enough money to keep you financially secure, but verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife. Despite many modern scholarly attempts to explain away this word head, 
as meaning something other than authority. The most recent and comprehensive lexical studies, they show that in every single one of the 50 examples of the use of this word head outside of the New Testament, it very clearly means authority and not merely something else like, like source. So Paul says here, wives, submit to husbands. Why? For the husband is the head of the wife. Because there is an authority structure that's been set up by God that cannot and that should not be uprooted by modern movements that are ultimately a manipulative self-salvation project that perverts God's intent and that denies biological realities. He says, it's rooted in who God made us to be and who God made the husband to be for the wife and for the family. He says, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as, just as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. The husband is the head as Christ is the head of his own body, meaning as Christ is head of the church, and as Christ sacrificed for her, the church. Verse 24. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now, don't worry, we'll talk next week about the nature of this submission word here and, and its limits and the words in everything here. Uh, but suffice it to say for now that, that this doesn't mean submit to abuse, just like it doesn't mean only submit if he's 90-something percent Christ-like. So, we turn to husbands, verse 25. Paul says, husbands, love your wives. He uses the word love four times here and gives considerably more time and more verbiage to commands to husbands here. Husbands, love your wives as Christ in the same manner with which Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her in a manner that fits with, that parallels, and that looks like Christ's sacrificial love for the church. And notice next what we call a, a purpose clause. It's a, a so that. Uh, husbands are to love wives as Christ loved the church. For these reasons, he uses a purpose clause three times here, verse 26, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, with the truth that comes from the word, one of the key parts of being uh, a head of the wife in the sense that, that fits with Christ in the church is to speak the truth of the word into her life in a way that renews her, in a way that softens her heart, that speaks the truth of who God is and to those spiritual blessings that Paul has been outlining throughout this whole uh, first three plus chapters, that that's the way that you cleanse her by the washing of water with that word, preach the gospel to your wife, men. So love your wife as Christ loved the church, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Second purpose clause here, verse 27, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor. Without, splot, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Again, this cleansing, this preparation of the heart of the wife 
to be ready for relationship with God forever in heaven. And then in case you missed the purpose here, the third time it's used here by Paul, toward the end of verse 27, this headship is that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, just like Christ, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. Like, you eat your food, right? <laughs> then you're nourishing your flesh. You care for it. Uh, when you shower in the morning, you're nourishing and cherishing and taking care of your own body. In the same way, <laughs> wake up with each day with a vision for this headship being something that sacrifices for the sake of nourishing and cherishing your spouse, just as Christ does the church. <laughs> meaning, to summarize Paul's instructions to husbands here in this, this section, meaning love your wife sacrificially like Christ so that it has the same purpose and the same effect as Christ's sacrifice for the church, which is not to say you are her savior in those terms, but that you were given this responsibility, frankly, to have a relationship with her so that she becomes more godly, so that she becomes more who God created her to be, so that your sacrifice for your spouse, men, is an expression of the love of God that changes her. This is what happens when someone who understands what God's done for them is what gives you an authority to steward that for others. In this case, men, husbands, as head of wives and households. Friends, this is the kind of love that is very clearly the direct opposite. Hear me, husbands. This is a love that is very clearly the direct opposite of a manipulative or a tyrannical or an oppressive macho attitude that demands something that is undeserved and unwarranted. Are we tracking? Like it is weak and soft and unmanly and unchristlike to use one's God-given one's God role in a position of authority for purposes that are different than the purposes of God, which are to steward that role and that authority so that those under your care become more like who God made them to be. Now, <laughs> why care for your wife like this? Well, for the same reasons that Paul's been delineating for all these chapters, what it means to be a strong church. Because when the church is strong, marriages are strong. When marriages are strong, churches are strong. It's the same dynamic. <laughs> Why care for your wife? Because it's the same thing that makes a church strong and vice versa. It's the blessing of God extended to one another that is the gracious glue that makes the body strong and that makes your family strong. This is some of what Paul means here next when he, when he calls this the mystery that he's talking about. It's the mystery about Christ and the church that's undergirding his entire argument here. Why love your wife like Christ? Verse 30. 
because we are members of his body. You're not your own, you were bought with a price. Because you and your wife, husbands, are together in Christ. It's just like Genesis 2.24, which Paul quotes next. He says, therefore, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is why God created you, to make known the amazing truth of who he is. And your marriage and this church, these relationships, your family, your kids, your job, your gifts, your resources, all of your life's resources are not about you, but are about communicating the goodness and the glory of God. That's why he says this mystery is profound. It goes way beyond what we understand on the surface. He says, I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. You may, thinking I'm talk, you may be thinking I'm talking about marriage, Paul says, and I am, but I'm sort of not because I'm also talking about the church and how God himself is communicated in the world. And then verse 33 is a summary applied to husbands and wives. He says, however, let each one of you, it's like saying, don't forget, <laughs> let each one of you love his wife as himself, speaking to husbands, and then speaking to wives, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Friends, the, the problems in the world today, uh, they are many and very complex. But let me offer one biblical solution that few experience and few model that by itself would radically change the entire world. Men who take up their cross day by day to sacrificially love in a way that, that garners the unwavering devotion and the deep respect of a woman that no job, no money, and no worldly status can ever touch. Men do not abdicate do not give up your responsibility to lead like Jesus. Do not wilt when the pressures mount. Do not shrink back when the fears tempt you to disengage. Stand up, be a godly man, and sacrifice first. Sacrifice first because the beauty of that kind of Christ-like sacrifice is how it expresses the heart of God that changes those under your care. This is so important for us understand, friends. So let's think together about how we might live this out this week by checking out this week's application and takeaway questions.
Friends, we call the gospel good news because it comes on the heels of the bad news. And the bad news is, friends, as it tells us in Romans 3.23 and a number of other places at the beginning of Romans, we are powerless to save ourselves. The good news, as it says in Romans 1.16, is that it is God's power alone that saves when we are powerless. The truth of the matter, friends, if you're a husband, you're never going to be good enough to do what you feel is expected. Wives, he's never going to be good enough to do what you feel is expected. These vacuums in our lives, friends, are hard to admit. They're painful to say yes to of ourselves. But they point to a God who alone is powerful to save. So preach that gospel as a husband to your wife and your family. Let's pray, friends. Lord, we're grateful that you are the power to save that we cannot be for ourselves. In the quiet of moments like this, Lord, we acknowledge that that's true of us, that we do not have the power, that we are not good enough. And so we acknowledge that the good news comes from you, that what you do for us in Jesus, who's perfect and sinless life, lived for us, became a sacrifice that counted to make us right with you, and he is our only hope.